Hi, Vox friends. It brings me a lot of joy to have this little bit of time with you this morning as we are entering a season that feels like something of a turning point. Uh, there are many exciting new things on the horizon. Some of you are celebrating graduation, so shout out to all the grads out there. And as vaccination becomes possible, we are also beginning to imagine uh, what post-pandemic life might look like. And along with that here at Vox, as you heard, we're engaged in a search for a new pastor to join our team. And then as we heard last week, we've been reimagining what service could look like for our community. So that's some of the exciting uh places we're going. And as Waylon and I were talking about today's homily and just the different needs in our community, we were noticing that we're all perhaps in different places around processing where we've been, some of the losses our community has faced this year, and some of the things we loved about the way Vox was before and some sadness that may still be present for us about some of those changes. And I'm someone who prefers to avoid grief, but uh, it's been a theme of this past year for me. And I've learned to appreciate the power of grieving thoughtfully and grieving together as a way of not losing heart. And so the question I'll invite you to consider today is in the midst of grief, what helps you to not lose heart? In our passage today, Paul speaks about how grief can be somewhat of a bridge between where we've been and where we're going, between the past and the future. And there's something both mysterious and I think extremely practical, like practicable here for us to notice. That grieving what we have loved in the past, as much as we might prefer to avoid that grief, grieving it thoughtfully can help us to keep our hearts open and tender so we can be ready for whatever new thing is on the horizon. So my invitation to us this morning is to allow your heart to just grieve whatever loss feels present for you today, and that may be different for each of us. So some of you may still be feeling some sadness over the loss of two beloved members of our pastoral team this past year. And one of them was my husband who when he left our community, he also left our marriage. And that was just heartbreaking for me. And if that brings up some grief for you as well related to your love for us or to your own personal story, I just want you to know you're not alone. And then others of you who have perhaps connected with Vox more recently, you may have never even met those two pastors but you may hear stories about them. They shaped our community in just beautiful ways. They were dear friends to many of us and family to some of us, and they were so loved. And because of the pandemic and many other complexities, we really didn't get the chance to effectively say goodbye or express our love and gratitude to them for so many years and incredible memories. So Vox friends, if that's a grief that's present for you today or feels unresolved, my hope is our time this morning will be helpful to you in that. And then others of you may be weighed down with just different losses due to life circumstances. And if 
those griefs are present for you today, you are also not alone. And still others of you may feel like you've processed what you need to from this past year and you're just ready to move forward. So however you come today is perfect. My hope this morning is to meet you where you're at and offer us all a place to remove our shoes in the presence of whatever grief we may be feeling so that we may not lose heart as God is getting us ready for the new things to come. So I'll share a bit more of my story as we go along, but I'm emerging from this season with just an even deeper appreciation for what it means to be the body of Christ together, where the invitation is, in Paul's words, to laugh with those who laugh, cry with those who cry, and rejoice with those who rejoice. And I'm aware that Paul can be a complex voice for us at times, but I feel a lot of emotional resonance with Paul as we encounter him today in this letter to the church in Corinth, because he's well acquainted with grief. He feels heartbroken over relational disconnect in the body of Christ. And earlier in this letter, he says this, I wrote you out of much distress and anguish of heart and with many tears. And we can just hear in those words, Paul is grieving. And it's really hard in those moments to keep our hearts tender and open. But now in chapter four, Paul offers us a glimpse into what helps him to not lose heart. And our, pa- our passage begins with Paul saying this, just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with scripture, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak. And that line is a quote from a psalm attributed to David during a time when David was grieving and heartbroken. And David says, it's because I believe that's why I'm speaking my grief. And I want to propose that believing in this instance is less of a cognitive process, but more of an act of trust, which is actually the other way this Greek word is translated. I trusted and so I spoke. And Paul says, we also trust, and so we also can speak our grief out loud, because the choice to speak our grief is a profound act of trust in God and in ourselves and in one another. And that choice, I've found, can really help us to not lose heart. I haven't always trusted even really close friends enough to risk speaking my grief, but as I was grieving the losses of this past year. At times, the heartbreak was just more than I knew what to do with. And so I said early on, okay, mornings are for crying. And most mornings, I would just get up early and sit in this blue chair in the corner of my living room and pray and just feel whatever I was feeling. And then I would usually share that with a small group of friends. And their responses were so helpful. Some people are gifts people or acts of service people. My friends know me. I'm a words person. And so their responses were often in the form of a poem or a quote. And those words were so nourishing to me. They helped me not lose heart. So uh, here's one example. Rachel Lee often found these quotes shared by at Black Liturgies. And uh, this one was just so helpful. Weeping God, if your tears weren't a waste, then neither are ours. We thank you for being a God of gratuitous sadness, even as you possessed all knowledge of the restoration to come. Help us to hold our own tears as sacred, 
never being too quick to wipe them away or hold them prisoner, knowing that our own freedom is entwined with theirs. Words like these reminded me of just the heart of the Christ story, which Paul also speaks about in this passage when he says, we know that the one who raised Jesus will raise us also. And that's really hopeful. And also, I have learned that the road to resurrection must first pass through death and grief. And there's just no way around it other than through it. And some of you I know are already rock stars at this grief business, but if you're like me, I've always been more comfortable being present to others in their grief than speaking and engaging my own. So if that's you also, then perhaps a place we might begin is this. Whenever grief surfaces, maybe try taking just five minutes and sitting down with God, take a breath and just say to God, I'm sad today. Like I said that a lot, this like just be sad now. I'm sad today. Often this is enough to allow our inner world to surface so we can feel it. And then God can begin to work with us through it. And then perhaps we can transfer that practice to one or two trusted friends or family members and just say to them, I'm sad today. That simple act of trust may be the thing that allows grief to do its tenderizing work inside us and help us to not lose heart. So Paul goes on then to say this, yes, everything is for your sake so that grace as it extends to more and more people may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So here, Paul is helping us see the relationship between speaking our grief and grace being extended. And when I, what I hear in those words of Paul is this, our ability to speak our grief to God in our community is directly related to our ability to receive grace and forgiveness and then be able to extend it to others. And David Augsburger calls this for grieving. He proposes that to genuinely forgive ourselves or others, we must first be willing to foregrieve or descend down into a genuine grief process. And I just, I think this is wisdom. Before this year, I would often try to bypass the grieving process and move perhaps too quickly into like a pseudo compassion or a pseudo grace. But a few months ago, I realized that in order to extend genuine grace, I needed something. I needed something. (laughs) I needed something like a ritual or a container in which to speak my grief so that it could truly move through me without getting stuck. And in a really stunning gift, a few friends came together and they created a grief ritual. So uh, it was February and it was so cold and we gathered masked outdoors on Rachel and Waylon's back porch with Jen and Harmon and Karen Singh was there and Sam and Carol Lee facilitated. And it was such a powerful experience. And I want to introduce you to four movements we walked through that day and just invite you to do one of two things depending on where your heart is this morning. So if grief isn't very present for you today, perhaps simply just tuck this in your back pocket for the future. If grief is present for you today, 
I want to invite you into the experience we had and see if you find it helpful as well. So we're all in this together. Perhaps take a moment to breathe, turn inward. You can close your eyes if you wish and just listen. There's four movements. The first movement is sadness. So we might ask ourselves, just what has been lost? What losses are we feeling sadness over? What do we miss? And just notice what surfaces, if a word or a phrase, or perhaps an image or memory comes up for you. Sadness has the power to be a cleansing emotion. It can help us keep the wounds clean so we can move toward genuine grace. So what have we lost? What will we miss about the past? You might just make note of what comes up for you so you can share it later perhaps with one or two trusted friends. And if you want to just hang out there in that first movement, uh, you're welcome. Uh, take your time, but whenever you're ready, another movement in this grief process might be anger. We might ask ourselves, what are we angry about? What do we regret? What do we wish had gone differently? So just notice, I sometimes find anger difficult to connect with, uh, but I've come to understand it's a really important part of a genuine grief process. So see if a word, image, or memory comes up for you that's associated with that charge of anger. And if it does, Waylon shared this breathing exercise that I found so helpful, so I'll offer it to you now. Seeing anger's roots in my body, I breathe in. Seeing anger's roots in my consciousness, I breathe out. Seeing the angry person suffer, I breathe in. Feeling compassion for the angry person who suffers, I breathe out. Seeing myself burned by the fire of anger, I breathe in. Feeling compassion for myself burning with anger, I breathe out. So if that's feeling right for you and you want to just hang out there, you are welcome. Whenever you're ready, uh, the next movement might be light as we come to remember the good times that made us laugh, uh, sweet memories we want to hold on to. Um, in the words of Francis Weller, Grief both acknowledges what has been lost and it also ensures that we don't forget what must be remembered. And so uh, perhaps we might ask ourselves, what memories do we wish to hold on to? What makes us laugh or smile when we think about it? And this movement was really helpful for me because the sudden loss of something or someone we love can cause us to question the good and beautiful times and wonder, like, were they real? But I have learned that the end of something good doesn't diminish the reality of its goodness. 
And holding on to the memories we have that are full of light that make us laugh is an important part of grief that can move us toward grace. And finally, when you're ready, you might move into a space of thanksgiving by asking, what are we grateful for? What sparks inside us a feeling of thanks? In the words of Francis Baller again, grief and love are woven together from the beginning. And grief has the power to reveal to us what and whom we love and care about and are thankful for. And as Paul reminds us that grace, then as it extends to more and more people, it may increase our thanksgiving. So let's take one more deep breath together. At the close of our ritual that day, we then practiced burning and releasing what we felt ready to. And then we listened to that song, Trusty and True, that speaks about laying down our regrets and coming as we are and starting from here. And I feel so thankful for that ritual. And I hope that entering into that experience with us a little bit this morning was perhaps helpful for you. If you'd like to try it out yourself with a group of friends and you want the outline, I'll send it to you. Grief is a process and we may need to return to it several times as it moves through us. And I'm so grateful. There are really no words for the beauty of this community that we can craft for one another, the kinds of experiences that allow grief to move us toward grace. So our passage wraps up with Paul saying this, we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. In other words, our ability to speak our grief with God and our community is what helps us to not lose heart and allows us to experience our inner selves being renewed, even as things on the outside may feel like they're dying or wasting away or changing form. We held that ritual on Waylon and Rachel's porch about 24 hours before the ice storm hit Austin. And I woke up that Monday morning without heat or electricity like many of you. And being tossed into that darkness after such an intense weekend, it was a little harrowing. (laughs) I eventually made it over to Karen's house and we navigated the rest of that week together, feeding our teenagers and checking on neighbors and parents. And even though so much of my outer life seemed to be wasting away in that season. My heart was not. And I witnessed so many of you that week, not losing heart as well, but reaching out, connecting, grieving. And when we finally turned the corner together, celebrating the sunshine and the warmth and renewal it brought us. There's a young live oak tree in my backyard. And during the storm, this is what it looked like on the left. It was so sad. And now, just like so much of Austin, it's thriving. Its inner nature was being renewed, though at the time I couldn't possibly see how. And there's something I think helpful for us to notice about how for us as human beings, carving out time and space for grief, as hard as it can be, it can renew us. 
It can enable us to not lose heart so we can stay tender and open to whatever new thing is on the horizon. So I'll leave us with these questions to reflect on in the coming week. How do we imagine God is renewing us as a Vox Vignette community, the voice of grace? And what might we still need to grieve together in order to make space for what's next, what's to come? And how might we help one another engage that grief so that it might move us even more toward grace? I'll close with a story some of you may remember. One covenant member meeting months ago, Harmon spoke about the California wildfires that were threatening the ancient redwood forests. And the threat at the time felt devastating, but he reminded us that redwoods have bark a foot thick. So even when they're scorched on the outside, the inside remains vibrant with life. And That story stayed with me. And after everything, I searched online and found this blackened frame. The color literally was listed as scorched. (laughs) And I found this photo taken in Redwood National Park. And it hangs on a wall now across from that blue chair where I sit and pray every morning. And seeing it reminds me of the beauty of this Vox community and what we're learning together about how to grieve thoughtfully, how not to lose heart, and how to stay open and tender and ready for what's ahead. So friends, here's my prayer for us. May that grief continue to move us toward grace as we find ourselves being renewed on the inside together as the beloved body of Christ. In the name of God, the creator, Christ, our companion, and the spirit who renews all things. Amen.